delay is good. Tr learning to trust in God in America will help you to learn to trust in God when things get hard on the field. This is the Relentless Pursuit podcast, where we hear stories from cross-cultural workers on what it's really like to be a missionary, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's been really fun talking to so many different workers and different missionaries all around the world. Um, but I don't know about y'all, but whenever I talk to someone, I'm always curious, how did you get started? Where where did you figure out how to even do the missionary thing, right? And not just on like the spiritual side of calling and feeling like the Lord is working that in your heart, but even just practically speaking, I mean, do you start Googling things? And, you know, mm -hmm. what did those first conversations with your sending organization look like? And so that's why I'm really excited about today's conversation with Kim. Yeah. So in this bonus episode, after 12 conversations with missionaries around the Pioneers world, we're going to talk to someone who not only served as a missionary, but also now serves on our mission mentor team. So her role is to help walk with people on the journey of discerning whether Pioneers is the right fit for them and whether missions is where God is calling them. And so we're just going to jump right in as Kim talks about her own journey and the first experiences that she had in cross-cultural ministry. Well, uh, my journey into missions um, had a very interesting start. Um, I was a kindergarten teacher uh, at a Christian school in Annapolis, Maryland for many years. And when I got invited over the summer to go on a short-term trip to Haiti with a singles group, I jumped on the chance because they wanted me to lead the vacation Bible school. Kindergarten teacher, vacation Bible school. That sounds pretty normal. So when we arrived in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, there was a huge malaria outbreak in the location where we were supposed to go. So we went to another location and I wasn't able to do the VBS. Instead, we did we built construction uh, time. Actually, we built an outhouse for the church. We slept on a dirt floor and there was a tarantula that caught, crawled out that night. Um, I screamed bloody murder and woke up the whole town. Um, I was not made uh, for uh, construction, and especially in the heat of the summer. So at the end of the time, um, the missionary had us during our uh, debriefing say, I want you to write a letter to Jesus. And, uh, and in my letter, I wrote and said, Jesus, I don't know anything about this missions thing, but I, I'm a high maintenance person. And if I can't take my hair dryer, I am not going. Thought that was the end of my missions experience. Unbeknownst to me, the Lord, who is just magnificent and even uh, answers those types of prayers, the next summer I got invited, because teachers get off for the whole summer, I got invited to serve in Vienna, Austria for six weeks with the organization that I ended serving with long term. And the first question I asked the person was, can I take my hair dryer? And they said, oh, yes, you can take your hair dryer. You just need one of those connector things because it's Europe. And I gulped and thought, oh, no, I means I have to go on another mission trip. So I asked a few other questions. Yes, they had electricity. There were no tarantulas in Austria. I didn't even know where Austria was. Um, so that began my journey of being a high-maintenance missionary. I served for six weeks there, and I knew that the Lord was calling me. Um, it was a beautiful place. Uh, my hair dryer did burn out. Unfortunately, the, the little connector thing didn't work like it said it was supposed to, but that was the beginning of my missionary career. So I always touted myself as being a high-maintenance missionary. God used me to work with unreached people groups, but I lived in a beautiful place. In fact, down the road was where Beethoven um, composed the last part of the Ninth Symphony 
in the town where I lived in, a statue to Strauss, wonderful coffee, pastries, everything you can imagine. But yet I got to work with unreached people groups. So Mm. at the end of that six weeks, gave up my teaching job and ended up serving in Austria for five years working with refugees. So that home high maintenance journey, somehow God answered that. And I look back now and I'm very thankful. I still am high maintenance um, and that's okay because I can be high maintenance in our office. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what you do now with Pioneers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have the privilege of being on our mission mentor team and it is a fantastic team and it's one of the favorite things I've ever done. Whenever someone contacts Pioneers, uh, either through our website we're the first voice that they talk to. And um, believe me, if you met some of the members of my team, they're so welcoming and so warm. We sort of dispel some of the fears that some people might have. Um, so we just listen to your story, ask, answer questions, and offer best next steps for them. And so I love hearing people's stories. It's one of the favorite things that I do. That's awesome. You know, I actually, it's been a little while, so I can't really remember very clearly my whole onboarding process, but I do remember that first conversation I had on the phone after I turned in that start form online. And I just remember just this feeling of like warmth and welcoming and people were just really interested in like what's going on in your life and how was the Lord leading you? And so I can only imagine how kind of comforting almost it is and reassuring it must be for people to get to talk to a real person so early on in the process. Um, And yeah, just get a lot of their questions answered and be able to kind of put, you know, a voice to this like faceless entity online. Um, So thank you for the work that you do, Kim. I'm curious, like what kind of stuff do people ask when they first reach out? Well, at first they're um, put put aside because I always start with, most of us on my team start with, tell me your story. Tell me how you got to this place. And then that helps me to kind of um, answer questions because I don't want to go off on bunny trail. That's something they're not interested in. And it, I think it helps them relax to say, oh, you want to hear my story? I'm like, oh yeah. Tell me how you came to know the Lord. Tell me how you led to this time to come and call pioneers. I mean, that was pretty brave of you. And so then the questions will start to pour out. Um, It depends on the age of the person. I've talked with people who are retired age and go, can God use me in my 60s? I'm like, oh, yes, we can. Let me tell you, I got some great places. Gray hair is um, uh, looked up to rather than looked down upon in certain parts of the world. If they're college students and 20-something, sometimes they'll ask me, I have no idea what to do with my life. How do I determine God's will? I'm like, oh, wow, let me tell you about that. Sometimes questions are, what are just some of the practical steps as I take you know, my next steps? Um, and some of the other questions might be, um, I don't even know where to begin. What do I do? Um, so it, it really varies, but I think once I know their story, I can guide them a little bit better and answer their questions better. So that really does help to hear their story. Mm, yeah. yeah, it sounds what like people it, don't have to have it all figured out when they when they come and talk to you. It's not like they have to know their path in advance. Sometimes they do. They say, I want to do this work in this particular country. Right, right. Do you have it? But probably 80, 90 percent, they don't have an idea. And that's why we say we're mission mentors. We're not recruiters. We want to hear your story and mentor with you and walk with you through this process. There's some people we've been walking with for several years. Some people we talk to and boom, they're into the application process. 
we're walking with you. We're not trying to force you into something that God might not be directing you to anyway. So there's times that we tell them, Pioneers isn't right for you. Or sometimes we tell them, you might want to look um, at maybe working on some things in your life before you take next steps. So it's all part of the process. So it's not just like one conversation you have. Like sometimes you might be reaching out to the same person over the course of months or maybe even years. Sometimes, sometimes we we do something called a check in. If we know that they're you know several years out, I'll check in every six to eight months. How can I pray for you? What's going on? We have recordings uh, in a system that tells us a little bit about the person. So like this year, I contacted a gal. Hey, you graduated from college. What's your next steps? And she was surprised that I remembered that, but it was in my notes, you know, that I had heard and written down that she was graduating or finishing up her degree. And so it's a touch point. Sometimes there's follow-up phone calls. I've talked to people newly engaged, like, what do we do as our next step? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. And sometimes people say, God's directed me in a different way. Missions isn't right for me right now. And that's good because that's part of our process of helping them discern that. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, I think it's like you said, you're not a recruiter necessarily, right? But you really are doing that kind of mentoring role of what let, what is God's next step? Like, let's explore that together. Let me ask you a couple of good questions and maybe that'll like help you kind of think about it in a different way or in a new way. So I really love that. That's so cool. Um, what would you say, and you kind of touched on this maybe from some of the questions that you mentioned people are often asking, but what would you say are some of like the biggest fears that people have coming into this first step of the process? There's a couple. Um, I would say, I don't, they'll say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to to do and give my whole life for 20 years. I don't even know what I'm doing in six months. You know, how can I make that kind of commitment? You know, and my answer is you're filling out a little information form that might be sent and will begin the process. You're not going into missions for at least 18 months to two years and any way along the process, you can stop that. So that's kind of a fear. And I usually tell them that all of our teams are helping you to discern God's will and helping you to clarify it might be kind of broad and nebulous when you talk to us, but the candidate coaches might help clarify that once you go through our um, assessment process and then our pre-field coaches really help you with really narrowing it down. So that's probably one question I get a lot. And I think it helps to spell some of that to think they don't have to have all the answers right now. In fact, an undesignated is a great place to be, you know, let the Lord and, you know, help you and let us help you with that. The second question uh, or fear mostly has to deal with support raising. And that really becomes, you know, what do I do with that? I, I, you know, so I'll ask them a few questions. Did you go on a short-term trip? Did, did you raise support for that? How did that go? Tell me about your church. Is your church a mission-minded church? Have you talked with your pastor? Would they be willing to come alongside you? Um, And I will just share a little bit of my story of being on support for 20 years or so and how I only had one month that my support was negative. Um, And so that God provided um, all along the way. The last thing I tell them is, believe me, we have a great team of pre-field coaches who are trained and willing to help you. They'll give you all the tools you need. Um, And so that will be something that down the road you can wrestle with. So those, some of those things kind of help dispel that for them. Um, yeah. 
You mentioned the word undesignated. Can you explain what that means? That's that could be an insider word that only we're the ones who know what that means. It is. I always tell people who come to our explore that if you have undesignated on your lanyard, that all of the field leaders are like making a beeline for you because they're trying to recruit recruit you for their team. So undesignated just means someone who doesn't know where they need want to go right now. They know they're called into missions, but they don't have any idea where. Mm -hmm. My story was I knew where I was going and I didn't have that that journey to go on, but really it is part of the process of us helping you discover where God might be calling you as you walk through the process with us. And believe me, if you're going on the good mission field, you have to go somewhere. So you have to know where that is. And that's what we do really well as an organization is help people with that. Right. Right. Now you did mention the, there is an assessment process and, and I'm sure that includes a lot of questions that, that are asked of people by yourself, by um, pre-field coaches, by candidate coaches, our different members of our team here. What are some of the questions? What are the kind of the things that, that we want to know about people as they enter into the process? Mm-hmm. There are some benchmark things that we look for right in the beginning. First of all, that there is a viable relationship with the Lord um, and that it's vibrant and growing. Um, The second thing we're looking for is a really strong um, relationship with a local sending church, because that's a core value of ours. Um, We we listen for, at least in the mission mentor section, a sense of calling. And that word is so nebulous. And I hate it because I don't know how to define it. But my pastor told me it was like a movement in your heart towards a certain thing. And so I'll use that vernacular at times, but it's, it's hard to wrap around but I just kind of tell them we want to see that you're want to move along in the process and hear what God has to say. Um, as we move closer in with the candidate coaches, and so there's some other more refined questions of asking um, about their growing up years, or asking about um, their family of origin, or asking about. Um, things that they struggle with or things that they're fearful about going on the field. Um, We also ask them, um, you know, what kind of things might they, like, what do they do for a career? What are they trained in? Is it something that they could do on the field? The last thing is, do you have a heart for church planting? Do you have a heart for um, unreached people groups? Um, And sometimes they need definitions of that. And we're happy to provide that because I've had that question who are unreached people groups? Who are, what's church planting mean? Do I have to be a Bible teacher? No, you can be a nurse and be part of church planting. So those are some of the assessment questions um, that, that, that happen once they leave us as a mission mentor team. Right. So Kim, it sounds like uh, it's really more of a conversation than in a job interview, because I think a lot of us have different definitions for what things like church planting are or what Mm -hmm. it means to be called or what missions looks like. And so in that conversation, there's an opportunity to bring clarity and for us to speak the same language in the process. So this is not like a an application where you're just filling out a form and sending it in, but we want to learn about you. We want people to learn about pioneers as well, because they're going to have a lot of questions about how we, how we function and what matters to us. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think people don't realize that um, it is we're getting to know you and you're getting to know us. That's why it's called Explore, which is the um, week of training uh, and interviews down here in Orlando is 
we want to make sure that we're right for you and you're right for us. And that process begins as a mission mentor, but also with the candidate coaches, even before you come to explore. So you're free to, we want you to ask questions. We want you to explore. Sometimes people say, well, I have some theological secondary issue questions, or I don't want to, how's the field work? You know, once they start learning about missions and we welcome those questions because we want the right um, match, you know, for you as, as you are for us. So there's times that, you know, we say we may not be a good match. We would prefer, or, you know, go to another organization that might fit you better, um, you know, for that reason. So it's not just a job interview where we ask a bunch of questions and you answer them. You can ask us questions. You can drill us. You can ask whatever you need to, to know, make sure that this is the right organization for you. Right. And, so and I actually, remember someone was telling us stories about how, like, when they interviewed with pioneers, it was like in a big like conference room. Everyone was like yeah. suited up. They're like getting grilled about like theology and missiology, and you know what would they do in these kind of very specific, really kind of difficult situations overseas. And so it's not really like that anymore, is it? No, um, we we switched to the um, candidate interviews are actually Zoom the week before, but I have been on many candidate committees throughout my pioneers career. And we, I don't remember anybody wearing suits. Um, we sit pretty casually, you know, we sit, we used to sit in a room, make sure they're comfortable. Um, we let them know that we have um, all of their paperwork in front of us and we just have some clarifying questions. Um, and then I always offer, do you have questions for us at the end? So we try to make it as relaxed as possible. Um, sometimes I'll start off the interview with something funny they might've written, you know, in their paperwork, you know, oh, so you really like cheesy pizza, you know, or something like that. And that kind of helps them relax, you know, or I know that you really, you know, like the Broncos or whatever, you know, and they'll, they'll feel more relaxed. Sometimes they're just nervous and there's not anything that we can do, but we are, we try to tell them we're for you. We're not trying to make things difficult. We are on your side. And I don't know if that helps or not, but, um, well, I think a lot of, whether it's application processes or, um, or the, these kind of environments can give people the impression that they it is a screening. So you're trying to screen out people. Um, you're trying to exclude people in the process. And really, that's not what this is about. It's, it's we're trying to include people. We want to find people that align well with our mission and people that we can help enable in their journey to go to the nations, to go where God is calling them to go. Mm-hmm. So when we see those two things coming together, well, then we want to make sure that relationship is cultivated and and and, and grows. What are some of the things that, that people find out about themselves in the process and learn? Because obviously it's, it's not counseling, but there's a lot of questions that do probe and, and, and help people really discern. So what are some of the things you've noticed that people um, find out about themselves in, in the process of, of um, exploring pioneers? I think that they are surprised sometimes that we do go into depth um, and we try to explain to them that cross-cultural living is not for the faint of heart. And so we need to make sure you're healthy. We want to make sure that you're strong in those areas. So sometimes we really ask them about their spiritual walk. What, how, what is your relationship with God like? How are your, how are your quiet times? How are you reading your Bible? Um, What's your prayer time like? There's even a question about, do you tithe? You know, just to see where's your spiritual, where are you spiritually? Um, And I think sometimes they, they don't realize that 
cross-cultural living, just make sure you need to shore up those areas in your spiritual walk that might be weak or need to grow in. The second thing is, is sometimes we do ask them about their family of origin, and sometimes they don't realize that some of those things were were um, sometimes hurtful and that we want to walk through with them with the healing process. And that that's what our staff counselors and your pastor and our member development team and our training team are all helping you with that. Um, and I think sometimes it's uh, good for them. Many of them come through it and say, I'm so thankful that you helped me with this part of my life. I would have never even broached that subject. Uh, the last thing is really their relationship with the church. They don't realize how intently we we want them to have that relationship right from the mission mentor to say, go talk to your pastor after you talk with us. Get their input because we want them to walk alongside and many of them go, well, I don't really have a good relationship with my church. And I'm like, or I don't really know the people. And we say, go get to know them. And then they'll come back to us and say, thank you. They've been so helpful. They've been so supportive. So those are things that they, they've they learned through the process that they might not have thought of before. Um, and that helps also to see how they, they do these things as how well they're going to be prepared to actually enter the field service down the road. Yeah. Wow. I love how like holistic you guys really mm -hmm. look at the person. You're not just looking at this like one tiny area of like, have you evangelized a whole bunch of people or have you gone on however many short-term mission trips, right? But you're really kind of trying to get them to consider really their kind of Christian walk, not just in this one sense, but in mm -hmm. terms of all these other different kinds of relationships with their family and with their churches. And so I love just how holistic that is, and also how specific it is to each individual that you're walking alongside with. I mean, just going back to your own story of how, yeah, you're not built by the Lord to work in Haiti with tarantulas and construction and in the heat. But there are definitely some people who are, right? And on the other hand, there are probably lots of people who never want to go to Australia or Northern Europe or, sorry, not Australia, Austria or Austria, Northern yeah. Europe or... Um, you know, work with mm -hmm. refugees or that kind of thing, right? And so the, that sort of exploration of each person's sort of individual calling, mm -hmm. the things that they've got going on in their life, I think that's really, really cool. Um, there was totally a question there, and I can't really remember what it was anymore. But yeah. what are some of the things that if, you know, say for those people who do come and you're like, okay, you know, maybe you've got a couple of things that you need to work on, just like you said about, um, you know, maybe you do need to go back to your church and start kind of building that relationship with them. What are some of the other things that you're often telling people if they're just a little early in the process, you can tell they love the Lord. You can tell that, yeah, yeah, there does seem to be that sense of calling, but, you know, they've got a few things that maybe they kind of need to work on um, first. What are some of the common things that you're often telling people? Sometimes I talk to people who don't know much about missions, and I usually uh, tell them to take the perspectives class um, because I think that's a great way to open up the whole door of missions. Um, <clears throat> I, I will often ask them to find a mentor in their church, maybe someone who was a former missionary who might be able to walk with them as they explore um, you know, what missions might look like and talk with someone. I think the next thing I would say, if you've never been on a short-term mission trip, you need to go because sometimes that like me, that opened up the doors for me. And I know um, a one or two week to start off with, sometimes I'll suggest. And then I say, if you're a college age student and you've not been on an edge trip, this is the opportunity that you have. This is the only time in your life where you have the summers off. 
explore missions. Our edge teams do great, does a great job. Our edge staff, um, our field workers are really helpful with our edge students um, when they go for eight, 10 or 12 weeks. And so all of this is part of the process of exploring. The last thing I tell people is talk to people in your life, talk to accountability, roommates, family and say, hey, what are things about my personality or the way I interact with people that you think I might need to grow in? The number three reason people come home from the field besides health and education of the kids is interpersonal conflict. So if you are developing bad habits, have people in your life speak into your life about that now. Work on those issues now before you take steps in missions. Um, and, and sometimes uh, it's a hard road because sometimes people go, I didn't know that I had a problem with anger. I didn't know that I, I struggled with this issue. But only people in your local environment you know, can talk to these things about these things in your life. So right. those are just some suggestions that I offer. Well, it sounds like it's the what comes out of this is not always a yes or a no, right? I mean, it's which is typically what you get if you're in a formal job interview. You either get hired or you're offered a job or mm -hmm. you're not. But it sounds like there's there's opportunities for people to go back and to um, kind of shore up their weaknesses or areas that they need further discernment and help with. And then it's not just about kind of an in or an out result for this process. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell them too, our assessment process does bring up things. I know it did for me. Um, and, uh, and, and to see that as a benefit that we want to assess you and bring to light things that you might need to work on. And then during your pre-field time, then you get a chance to work on those. And that it's, it's all about, we're for you. We want to help you. We want to walk with you. We don't want you to be afraid of what God has for you in your life. Um, but we want to make sure you're as healthy, as strong as can be um, mm -hmm. before you actually depart. So, yeah, I, I think that there's nothing to be afraid of. We're really, we really like you and we want you to move forward, <laughs> you know, with us. <laughs> yeah. Love that. So, you know, I, I know that we've been kind of talking a lot about the people who kind of are maybe, you know, still kind of figuring out what they want to do. They're not really sure where they want to go. They're maybe a few years off from actually departing from the field. But I'm sure you also get some people that are like, I want to leave yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are those conversations like? Oh, yeah. I, I And I love talking to those people because they are, I talked to the couple of college students that want to quit college and go right away. And um, usually what we need to talk with them about is what the timeline and the process would look like. Now, our venture pathway, which is the one month to under one year, usually is a shorter time frame um, as far as getting to the field. And our venture coaches are really good at helping people with that. But I usually tell people that it usually takes about, I don't know, Jess, you're a pre-field coach, probably about 18 months from the time that you join Pioneers to the time you're on the field. And so there's a lot of um, steps to go through to get you there. Um, and so I talk with them about realistic goals of what that might look like. There have been people who've left in six months and, you know, there's various reasons for that, but the process is just as much ministry as to get to the field as it is being on the field. So, you know, those things of raising support, building your trust and faith in God, building your relationship with your church, um, continuing to interact with pioneers, interacting with your potential field leaders, um, with your team, going on a survey trip. All of those things are part of the process of your arrival on the field. And so I, I tell them that the, it's just as important 
to be prepared and be in the pre-field process as it is on the field. Um, if you're not sharing the Lord now in the U.S. in your own language and culture, you're going to have a harder time on the field. Um, can you interact with international students or immigrants in your community to help grow your cultural sensitivities and things like that? So it's okay. Sometimes I like that excitement, but it's okay um, to, to help them see the time frame may be longer than you anticipated. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely sort of a sense where uh, God's timeline is always a little bit different from our own timeline and it's often slower. I don't know if that's just because humans are impatient. I do remember my first conversation that I think I had it like in April and I was saying, maybe if I leave in like September, October, and of course that did not happen. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. people, I don't know, do, do people get kind of disappointed when you say things like that? And how do you sort of handle that? Well, I, I think there is somewhat of a disappointment. I just feel like, you know, you've got this gung-ho person and I just say, and usually they'll say, well, do you trust us as an organization? Are you going to trust the process, you know, of what we've done this for years and we want you on the field, but we want you to be healthy and strong and survive for a long time. Church planting is not a flash in the pan. Church planting is to, to stay and thrive and plant yourself. So a lot of them do, you know, understand that. And I said, as you walk along the process, you'll begin to see some of the things you may not see now that we will see and point out to you. And I and I said, we want you there as soon as possible as well. But God's timing is perfect and ours is often not. So just a quick story of some appointees that I worked with. They were struggling with raising support and um, they thought they were going to go at one point in time and they got a... Um, connection to a church in another city. They went up and that church was so excited about what they were doing. They filled in the rest of their support, but it was after, it was after when they thought they wanted to go. So they saw that delaying connected them with a very important supporting church. And then they were able to go. So, but they didn't see that in the beginning, but they saw it as they took the process. So God reveals things to you as you're in that prep process that you're so thankful for and didn't realize until you actually encounter it. So um, delay is good. Learning to trust in God in America will help you to learn to trust in God when things get hard on the field or when you struggle on the field. Right. You've mentioned a little bit about explore and launch, which are the Mm -hmm. two um, orientations before people leave for the field. Can you explain a little bit more about what those entail and how people, what, what, what people can expect if they were to come to explore or to launch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, when we talk with people as a mission mentor, we just tell them that this is beginning the process and that they'll talk with a candidate coach and fill out all the applications. And then they'll be invited by the candidate coach who walks with them through the application process to come to Orlando for a week called Explore. Um, And during that week, um, we do interview them, we assess them, they get to ask us questions. But once you arrive in Orlando, um, the uh, first part of the week is just telling you more about Pioneers. You get to see this around the world presentation about all the places where Pioneers works, get to hear about our core values. Um, We will let you know that we've appointed you. And uh, then about midway through the week, you get to talk a little bit more about your pre-field journey, about raising support and preparing to go and meeting with your pre-field coach. 
um, and then walking you through the rest of that process. So it isn't, it's really an explore. You explore us and we explore you. And um, hopefully by the end of that time, you'll know that Pioneers is the right organization for you. So that's kind of what explore looks like. Um, I'm less familiar with launch. It's been a long time since I've um, been part of it, but launch is really, Jess, you may be able to talk more about this, but really it's the final week that you would try to come to Orlando for right before you leave for the field. And you're learning church planting techniques and team building techniques and maybe some cross-cultural things, finalizing your time with your pre-field coach as you prepare to go. Um, it's kind of like the last infusion of training and cheering you on that happens before you leave for the field. Right. And when you come to launch, that is when you'll have a chance to meet Jess. Well, you'll get to meet her at, at Explore too, but yes, yeah, so, hopefully. So Jess can probably even <laughs> tell tell more about what that what yes. the process of of launch is like. But yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you mentioned kind of going back a teeny bit um, about you know a lot of especially Explore, but the process in general is just people trying to decide if Pioneer is the right organization for them, if they're the right you know, appointee member for Pioneers. What would you say are some of like the distinctives of Pioneers that makes us a little bit different maybe from the another organization? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I always share our core values when I talk to people just to make sure they're on board. And I know there's other organizations that focus on church planting. There's other organizations that focus on um, unreached people groups. Um, The passion for God is something that I emphasize. And I know that most organizations feel that way too. I think one of the things that I, I I usually uh, list as a distinctive um, about pioneers is just our innovation and creativity. And I'll talk about our innovation lab. I'll talk about um, some of the fun things that I've seen, you know, pioneers workers do on the field, like a surfing team that once opened a surf shop or, Back in the day, there was a Texas group that opened a Texas barbecue place in East Asia. And I said, how creative. Whoa. I actually went to the restaurant and it actually it's pretty good food. It doesn't exist <laughs> any longer. But I say some of the creative things that our people do in the field. So sometimes people come to us and say, hey, I want to do this. Can I do that? And we're like, listen, we'll try what our best as we can to work with you on that. And I think that that Um, opens up doors for people to think outside the box, but also if they have this out of the box idea, um, I think that we would consider it. Obviously it's field approval, but I, we give a yes initially, um, unless it's something that's totally against what we would even stand for. Um, But I really like that about pioneers. Um, And I think the servant leadership is something that I've seen. I tell the story of our former U.S. director back in the day that when we were just in the trailers that the person who was supposed to clean the trailer that day didn't show up. And I see the U.S. director emptying the trash cans um, for our office. And I'm like, wow, that's servant leadership. I would never have seen anything like that. So those are distinctives um, that I see uh, within Pioneers that might be make us set us apart. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, just a few years ago, we created an ad for um, a magazine and and it said on it, there are 7,250, 7,250 unreached people groups. And there are even more ways to reach them. And so we love it when people come to Pioneers and have one of those ways. They've, they feel God is leading them um, in some creative way to engage um, a part of the world that is does not have access to the gospel. So 
um, it's great to hear those stories and people come and then to see it take root overseas when someone takes that idea and through the power of the Holy Spirit and their innovation, their creativity, their ingenuity, um, bring that idea to life. Um, that's just so exciting to watch happen. And, and you get to be on the front end of that, Kim. So that's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I love hearing their passions and love saying, hey, let's look at this as a possibility. This right. might work, you know. Right. It's, this might work. Yeah. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for kind of giving us a glimpse of what the process looks like and what the journey could look like for someone who's listening to this. And our hope is that as people have heard the different stories from our guests over the last few months in in the podcast, that um, that their own imagination gets inspired to think about um, ways in which they could engage the unreached. And that's what we're here for, is to help them take those next steps and to help move the obstacles and to discern um, if the Holy Spirit is calling them into this type of a role. So thanks so much for for joining us. Um, before we close, I, we do have mm-hmm. some quick fire questions for you. And you don't have to think too hard about these. These are not um, complex questions, but they might give us a little glimpse into Kim's personality. So mm-hmm. coffee or tea? Coffee all the way. Without coffee, yeah. it's, it's painful to see in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Mm, I'm a 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. I'm not either. Does that count? Okay. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> I like right that. In the middle. I like that. Some people would probably say, you know, that you're a night owl. Others would say you're an early bird. Depends on what their own yeah. habits are. Um, if you're traveling some place overseas and you're on a long flight, are you window or aisle? Window all the way. Lean your head against the wall there and take yeah. a good snooze. Yeah. <laughs> are you a dog person or a cat person? Oh, I could show you pictures of my little golden retriever, Nazareth, and no, I'm definitely a dog person. Definitely a dog person, yeah. When you've visited different parts of the world, and maybe even in your own time, what is one of the strangest traditions you've seen there? Um, I think one time when I was visiting one of our workers in the Middle East, um, and uh, we were sitting, and it really was a Bedouin tent, and there were flies everywhere, and the mm-hmm. flies were all in the tea, um, like those little glass teas, and they were still drinking the tea, and there was yeah. dead flies in it, and I, I wasn't sure, I, I didn't want to offend the host, but it was like I was trying to pick them out of my tea, yeah. but they weren't even paying attention to the flies. It was really kind of weird. Yeah. Um, bless our Extra workers. Protein. That were <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's great to not be distracted by things like that, I guess. I think yeah. that I would be envious of of not being distracted by that and just being able to just like, hey, I'm cool with it, whatever. My high high maintenance sensitivities were really kicking in that day. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Mm. Um, did you have any uh, mishaps, some language mishaps when you were living in Austria? Oh, my goodness. I have many. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I tell the story often of um, I led a kids club. Um, and they were mostly um, Iranian children, a few Iraqi children. Um, and I, we, they didn't speak English sometimes or German, so I had a translator. Some spoke a little bit. And so mm-hmm. they would sing a song or they would do something. And I would give them a two thumbs up at the end just mm-hmm. to kind of encourage them. Encourage yeah. It's one of my spiritual gifts. And I kept looking over the translator and she was making funny faces. And I was like, what's going on? So the rest <laughs> of the kids club continued and, I, you know, the kids left and she comes up to me and says, Miss Kim, she goes, I have to tell you every time you do two thumbs up, she goes, in my culture, that's like giving someone the middle finger. <laughs> <I> went, oh. 
<laughs> I was flipping off a bunch of children as I was mm. telling them about Jesus. Oh, good Lord, help me, please. And she said, it's okay. They understand it's your cult. And I said, so the next time there was a kids club, I had to keep my fingers yeah. over my thumbs to not continue doing it. So, That's more of a great. cultural faux pas than it was a language one. Yes. That's a pretty good one, though. It is, yeah. Yes, yes. So watch your hand motions when you're in other Definitely. That's, that is a rule for sure. Mm-hmm. What is your go-to late night snack? Oh, I'm a chocoholic. I yeah. love chocolate. Dark chocolate. Dark mm-hmm. chocolate covered nuts is probably one of my mm-hmm. um, yeah. favorites. Nice. One more question. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Yeah, I had always wanted to be a school teacher. I, mm-hmm. um, I was all, I'm the oldest of three girls. And in the summertime, I would make my little sisters and their little friends be my students in the summertime. Yeah. And they hated me for it, but I was big. Classic. Than so yeah. they ended I mean, up they... being kin- a kindergarten teacher for, <laughs> for eight years. So yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kim. It's been great chatting with you. And um, you've been really helpful. And I hope our our listeners came away with a lot more inside knowledge on what the process looks like. Oh, thanks for inviting me. This has been really fun. You, you guys made me feel comfortable, so appreciate it. If you remember from the start of our show, Kim shared just a little bit about how she went to Austria and she was working with refugees there, and we didn't get a chance to hear a whole lot about that. But if you're curious to hear an extra special story that she shared about how baby Jesus got stolen, then definitely check out our show notes for the bonus material there. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, I want to encourage you to go to our show notes and check out um, some content that we've got there that really will help take the next steps in following through on the things that we talked about in in this episode. One is a book by Pioneer's President Steve Richardson. It's called Is the Commission Still Great? And it really does help people get a big picture vision for what God is doing around the world and how you can get involved. And we also have with that a free small group curriculum that's on our website. And and there are um, videos and activities and reflection questions and things that go along with that. And that's all for free. And you can check out a link to that in our show notes. Um, Also, you can be sure to check out our show notes for links to articles and other types of information about Explore and Launch, which are the events that, that people come to as they're making the journey to join Pioneers and explore whether we're a good fit for them. So although Kim talked a lot about that, in the episode. If you want more information, you can go to our show notes and and get that. And then ultimately, we would love for you to have a conversation with Kim or someone else on her team. And you can do that um, by going to pioneers.org slash start and setting up very easily through our calendar system, a, a Zoom call or phone conversation with one of our mission mentors. So be sure to check that out. It has been awesome um, having you on this podcast as as our listeners and we hope to um, have another season soon that you'll be able to listen to and we'll have a whole new set of people that we're talking to so thanks so much for joining us for these last 13 episodes thanks for following us on this episode of the relentless pursuit podcast Our goal is to make missions accessible, to show that it's not just reserved for elite super Christians. If you want to be involved, just go to pioneers.org slash start and answer a few questions. We have a team who would love to help you discern your calling and what your next steps might be. At Pioneers, we love to partner with local churches and send teams to people groups with little or no access to the gospel. Keep up with what God is doing by following us on Instagram, Facebook, X, and YouTube, all at Pioneers USA, one word, or visit pioneers.org. Thanks for listening.